K-Bubs, this is Cal Dodd. You're now listening to Geek Vibes Live. Hello, 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 everyone out there. You're not listening to Geek Vibes Live, but I love that drop from Cal Dodd, so I have to keep on playing it. But this is Wrestling Geeks Alliance. Every Wednesday at 8 o'clock, we talk about the best and a lot of times, uh, inevitably, the worst in wrestling. Um, it's a fun week. Uh, we got a packed show for you guys. We're going to be doing just uh, having some conversation about the wrestling industry. Uh, later on, we'll go on the, over the uh, G1 tournament and the outcome for the matches uh, this past weekend for New Japan. Uh, and we might get into some predictions for Great Balls of Fire. So stay tuned. We've got an awesome show for you. Remember, if you guys want to join the conversation, just ask a question. As long as you are not a dick, let me repeat, as long as you are not a dick, uh, call in 929-477-3781. Uh, you'll be listening at that point. Press 1 to join the conversation. Ask a question. Do what you do. Whatever. Can you guys tell I have a lot of coffee in my system out there? I can. Anyways, it's my heart rate. I feel like smashing through my chest, kind of like an alien. Uh, of course, my cohort, uh, Mr. Christopher Ray Patton, you are there. How's it going, sir? It's going good, man. Excited for the show. Ready to get this get this thing on the road. We're taking the band on the road, and we have two band members uh, with us tonight. Uh, both of them are indie wrestlers. Um, I'm going to let them introduce themselves. They've been on the show in the past. thought we'd have them back to talk really in-depth and get really sweaty about uh, professional wrestling today. Um, not sweaty as in in the ring, but sweaty as in we're geeks about it. I think you figured that shit out. Whatever the fuck. First, I want to introduce my good friend that I've known for a long time here in Georgia. Uh, Philip, how are you doing, man? Uh, you know... Name, name your organization, let us know what you've been up to, and um, I believe you go by Adrian Phillips, right? That's your other... That's right. Your, your surrogate name? How's yeah, that's my wrestling name, my gimmick name is Adrian Phillips, and I work for a indie promotion in North Georgia in Cornelia called Old School Wrestling Alliance. Don't get confused nice. with the one I think in Kentucky that we're kind of telling them, hey, you can't use our name anymore because we're trademarked. Uh, look, us Georgians, we'll go to Kentucky, and we will fuck you and your chicken up. That's all we have to say. Oh, um, yeah. Actually, uh, Phil, you're, you're, in the works, possibly, um, I might be uh, representing you at, at some point uh, over in September, right? We've been talking about this a little That's bit. That's right. Um I'm looking to turn heel uh, when I return, and, I, and I'm looking for someone to be, I guess, uh, my mouthpiece, kind of like my Heyman or whatever. Because um, I think that most uh, heels need uh, like a mouthpiece, even though some can talk. But I don't know. I just thought that it would be cool to turn heel and have a um, – uh, like a smart-ass kind of uh, guy, like right next to me, like an Ari Gold from Entourage. Even though I I rarely ever watch that show, I did like that that kind of character, like the sleeve. That's what I'm looking for. So I if our schedules go well. right, then we can do it. Well, that's yeah, what I want. I'm very excited about it, uh, Chris. I'm going to be yeah. called uh, Dangerous Dave Anderson, and if I'm Boston, I'm a fucking prick from Boston, and basically. I'm going to really go over the top with my uh, original Boston accent because I'm in Georgia, and they're going to hate me for it. So we, we, we've been talking about it and going back and forth. So it looks like I'm going to have to learn how to take a bump, which uh, that's going to fucking suck. Well, anyways, uh, here's completely the opposite <laughs> suckage. 
another one of my good buddies, uh, indie wrestlers. I haven't met you in person, and it sucks because he was just in Georgia, and I had plans that the night that I found out you were playing uh, over here. But you're traveling everywhere, Thomas. Uh, Mr. Thomas Burrington, how, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing well. It's always a pleasure to be on the show. And by the way, you do suck because I was expecting to see you. I was so excited. You had two nights, two nights, two chances, man. <laughs> you did Friday too? I did. Damn, I did Friday I it was and Saturday. Saturday night. Oh, God. All right. Well, I have no excuse definitely for next time. And I know you, and by your success and your travel schedule, you'll be here again soon. So. Um, I apologize about that, though. Uh, is everything, everything going good for you? Any titles in mind? Uh, actually, you know what? I don't think we really want in-depth with your character. We're, we're breaking kayfabe right now, if you guys can't tell. Uh, <laughs> give us a little bit about your gimmick, because you're a heel, right? Uh, mainly, uh, mainly, yeah. Um, there's a couple places where I've been a face. Like, I think I'm facing two promotions right now, but everywhere else I'm a heel. You definitely uh, have like a, a like a, a mystique to you with your character, especially with the face <laughs> paint. Yeah, that's a little bit of my split personality there. Um, so the project gimmick is well. Let me let me break it down to you like this: a project is a constant work, a constant evolution. You know, something that's never fully complete, always changing to be better. That's the process behind the project gimmick. Now, the split personality side to that, the face-painted dude, you know, my best friend over here, he doesn't really care about progress. He's all about destruction, and, you know, he wants what's his, and he doesn't really care who he hurts. For example, I just, you know, lariated the soul out of my fiancé, my in-real-life fiancé, in the middle of the ring uh, last week. And uh, she's not too happy about it, but he is. (laughs) Well, that's good. You just need to have her sold to yourself, basically, right? I mean, yeah. I'm just keeping her in a little jar, but it's fine. (laughs) Well, that's awesome, man. Um, Well, hey, uh, you know, if if we're both heels, it won't work out. But when I start representing um, Philly over here, you need to come to North Georgia, and, we'll, you know, you you guys will have a match. And I promise you my man will fucking win. So that's all i got to say about that. Or we could team up. I'm coming up like – a little, little bit of JFK in there. I don't know why. Like, I am John F. Kennedy, and I am from... Yeah. Oh, God. All right, well... My brother's a fat drunk. Like, yeah, exactly. Like, or Ted Kennedy. I did not run over that person. I swear to drunk that I had. Oh, I didn't have a hooker right. in my trunk. I don't have a hooker in my trunk. All right. We've got to go on. Next, I'm going to be doing Mark Wahlberg impressions, and you guys are going to really hate that. So... Uh, I got a list of questions. I'm going to ask you guys. We're going to talk about this, make these conversations. And I kind of want to, like, knock out a bunch of these. Um, I think it will just be fun. Um, So let me intro them, and then I'll pass to Chris and then let you guys um, know which one's going next after that. Uh, All right. All right. So I think that we can – I think that we're all here, I'm assuming, partially because of WWE in some right. Uh, During a certain situation where they're airing wrestling – it kind of brought us in, if we were not already in there beforehand with WCW, uh, it brought us in more. Um, so at one time, WWE obviously was flourishing, you know, late 90s, early 2000s, right before they turned Stone Cold heel and they had the, you know, the, the crossover with WCW without any of the WCW wrestlers, if 
fucking stupid. Yeah. Um, and then obviously it slowly things have declined. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. And slowly things have de- declined since then. And, um, you know, nowadays, WWE, for a while, uh, New Japan was down, TNA was good, and then they kind of dropped because of this chick named Dixie Carter. Uh, weird. Uh, uh, but now it seems like position WWE has a lot to worry about in the future. And I was going to ask you guys, based on the Vince model, uh, that's the current model right now that we have, let's, let's start positive. What does WWE do right uh, with their, their gimmicks, their booking, uh, the whole nine yards? Uh, Chris, list some stuff that you think that's positive about WWE currently. Well, thank you. I think the I think the one the the biggest thing that the big most positive thing right now is the main event scene in WWE and all of the great talent they've had they, they've signed from other places. Now the scary thing about that, which we'll talk about on the downside, is they're not building talent. You know, most most of the top talent came from came from other places, but uh, the, the the top talent your Seth Rollins, your Samoa Joe, your John Cena. Uh, even your Roman Reigns to some extent is is a pretty big gap in like comparison to like TNA who have like EC3 and Bobby Lashley and that's like really it. So when you kind of think about the main event picture, that that's awesome. The other thing that they do uh, have done well is the the way they built NXT um, takeover. I think those takeover pay per views are good. I would like to see them get out of Full Sail University more because that crowd kills the show sometimes. But that's another big thing that they've done um, that I think is positive. And, and then trying to give us some of these dream matches recently with AJ Styles and uh, AJ Styles and Cena, for instance, and then now you're going to get Samoa Joe versus Brock Lesnar. So there's, you know, there's a lot of really cool matchup potential. Those are all things that they do well. I think the network itself is a pretty cool concept. I wish they would do less of the top 10 type stuff and more tournament type stuff like they did with the UK tournament. Um, and I wish that they would move wrestlers back and forth from NXT more. Um, some of the main roster guys, there's no reason why they can't work NXT as opposed to TV if they don't have anything for them to do. Like right now, for Sami Zayn to go down, that would probably help him a lot, uh, feuding with Bobby Roode and things like that. So there, there's a lot of positive things to take away. Um, but my biggest thing is, is definitely like the main event talent that they have right now and the potential matchups. If they would, if they get over the brand split, they have so many potential matchups. That's just kind of crazy to think about, but that, that's kind of how I, I, I'm looking at WWE right now. Um, and I like the pay-per-view model of it being on the network. So that, I mean, that's all positive stuff. Thomas, same question. Uh, I agree as far as uh, as far as the main event scene goes. Like they've created a great group of of competitors right now. Like you have your AJ Styles, your Kevin Owens. You know, on the Raw side, you have your Finn Balor's, who is is quickly rising back up to where he was before he got injured. You have your Seth Rollins, your Roman Reigns. You know, you have you have everybody there possible to help your your brand grow. And same thing with the NXT brand is. They have so much unlimited potential there, untapped potential, that it seems like they can do no wrong no matter what happens. A perfect example right now is what they're doing with Velveteen Dream. Like, he's a kid, you know, one or two years in the business before tough enough, you know, 
took him from nothing, and he's blowing up. You know, gimmick might be a little eh, but they're doing it right in a way that they're not shoving him down our throats, and they're actually letting him grow into a natural heel. And I think that works to their advantage is that they're letting things become organic. And I think that's that's above all right now what is happening like what is the best thing that's happening for them? Perfect example again on the SmackDown side, you know, they're hyping up AJ and Nakamura. That's organic. That's something that, you know, fans just naturally want to see because of the talent that they have. I I don't really see a problem with anything they're doing, but of course there is that downside like you said we were gonna get into earlier is that there aren't enough, you know, spots on the main roster for people that can do more. And seeing them on NXT would be good for them, but I guess we'll get into that later. Yeah, no, but I completely agree with you. Uh, Philip, name some uh, things yeah. that you think that WWDD does in a positive manner. Um, well, the NXT show, um, it gives uh, lower guys that you don't even uh, know yet or guys that you know but aren't on the main roster yet a spot to – come in like a lot of the indie guys coming in a lot of uh, guys from Japan and like, and like out of the country get a chance to come and try stuff. The only problem with is that a lot of those guys that do get on the main roster, it's like they don't know what to do with them. That's I'm kind of bringing in uh, the negative with the positive, but another positive thing is um, I guess the way they, promote their main shows like uh they're kind of a, well they are a global thing and it's kind of like they're uh taking over like you know they're fucking Genghis Khan but uh they I like how they're getting the of the talents from other countries that's cool but then it's like those guys were so huge there they come over here and it's like oh what do we do we still got to do like we've still got Randy Orton, John Cena, we still got to do stuff for Roman and all that. So now it seems like uh, uh, that they push these guys aside, like they do with Sami Zayn. But you know, there's a reasoning why Sam, Sami Zayn is, and it's not his ability. It's just that he, when he talks to the mic, it's kind of like, eh. um, yeah, he's. He doesn't really have a personality. And that's his problem. But, yeah, um, I like how they reach out to other uh, countries to get uh, to get uh, of their talent. But I also like what they're doing with uh, Jinder Mahal, which people are pissed off about. I'm like, you know, you complain all the time on the Internet that, uh, they 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 never push guys. It's always these top three guys, and then they finally push a guy who's never been pushed, and it's like people are pissed. I I, I don't get it, but that's a positive. I think it's Jinder Mahal, uh, because uh, they're breaking some kind of barrier, and it's good for the Indian crowd. They do have an Indian crowd, you, you know. You can't just go to one crowd. You have to have a champion of a different culture so that crowd can come and watch and whatever, and that's how your ratings build. But uh, I don't know. That's just my opinion. I like Mahal. I think he's a good heel. 
I, it, I'm just one of those guys, when it comes to that situation, it was the booking leading up to it that I had a problem with, not so much. And that's, that's a negative thing with WWE that we'll talk about next, but just booking decisions, especially if you're building a powerhouse the right way and, the, and to me, the wrong way to book them. I mean, a losing streak yeah. out of nowhere. You know, that's, that, that, that to me is, is the Jinder Mahal thing that bothers me. But getting to the positives, yeah. personally me, I think that you guys are all right, um, I, I, especially about expanding its borders, you know, trying out NXT. Um, most of this, though, you know, and I can see that we kind of go into negatives automatically with the positives. I'm trying to, like, talk about Vince more so because when you talk about NXT, it's a great concept. And I love it, and I might like it a lot of times better than the actual uh, SmackDown and Raw that week. But that's Triple H's baby, which is another subject that we'll be talking about soon um, coming up. And uh, But I love a lot of the stuff, like the tournaments that they've done. The Cruiserweight Classic was amazing. Although at the same point, I think that one of the best matches for that was uh, Kota Ibushi and um, Cedric Alexander, I think. And yeah, uh, Ibushi's, Ibushi's back in New Japan. Obviously, you guys have seen... Tiger Mask W, like he just floats around and kind of does a lot of indie stuff as either character, and uh, they're not really doing anything with Alexander, which is ridiculous. To me, him, uh, Neville, and Austin Aries should all be on the main show. Not, nothing against the Cruiserweight division, but that's just me. But then again, there would not be well, a lot of places to put him. But that, we're trying to stay to the positive. Um, yeah. The other tournaments, the UK tournament was awesome. I love they're doing a women's one. I love that they're expanding and doing a UK show, like making separate like little divisions. I'm sure they're going to travel over to India. I, I know they're looking at Japan now. A lot of the way that New Japan that would be great. at us, like, yeah, if they were to do that, that would be some crazy stuff. So they're taking approaches to expand. And I know Vince is not worried about it. He's not worried about ratings. Not worried about this. Not worried about that. But I, I feel like he's in, you know, in the now. And what I'm looking forward to the most with WWE and what I think is positive is that Triple H will be taking over creatively. But I'm hoping that he's not handed a bunch of fucking horseshit um, going into it, basically. A lot of stuff he has to get around. And now, with rising stuff like Jeff Jarrett even buying, buying out, uh, whatchamacallit, Impact, that's in a different direction that could be positive, uh, much more positive than it was. And New Japan, everything they're doing, teaming up with Ring of Honor, I mean, it's it's a little bit crazy what's going to be happening in the next couple of years, but it's a good time to be a wrestling fan. I think that's the most important. But, all right, let's, there's the positives. Let's go on to the negatives. Uh, what does the WWE do bad? Um, and I'm going to go real quick, and I'll pass it to whoever just to get me out of here with just talking. But the booking decisions a lot of time drive me fucking nuts. They do stuff that does not matter when they, you know, like when I, when I say that, it's like it doesn't progress the storyline at all. Um, they make really weird moves, uh, I think, with the heels and baby face. The referee is completely non-existent or important uh, anymore within wrestling. Uh, I don't even know what the rule book is. Booker T lets me know every other week uh, what the rules are. <laughs> so I have, appar- apparently now you can, you, can, you can do a closed fist punch, which I thought was illegal for years. Uh, there's a time Oh, yeah, I know. That. It's very frustrating. Uh, I have to call him out. And Vince... Especially, I just don't think well, the way that he's treating some talent that Triple H is sending up to him. Triple H even himself is getting aggravated with how Bailey's turned out. Shinsuke, what they've done with Sasha the last couple, several months, do, giving her nothing. And like, I think the brand split was a bad idea. I think that they have they should have a bunch of talent that should take up two shows, 
with one set of titles. I'm sorry, like, I think that that makes, you can have more matches because you're splitting them up between two shows instead of trying to split the three. Yeah. So the women's division looks shrunk. The tag division looks shrunk. There's no mid-card division. And then there's so many people that are, that are for the heavyweights. And guess what? They're using the U.S. title, and they're using the, the intercontinental title like they're bigger than the actual belts because the guys they have, well, Randy used to be at least, they're not there all the time. So that type of shit pisses me the fuck off and really makes me look forward to Triple H sticking over. Uh, Chris, um, what are some things, and I'm sure you have a couple, uh, that bother you when it comes to WWE creatively? Is it the case? Well, the, the, biggest, the biggest thing is definitely the brand split. Uh, we've, yeah, I think the first time Thomas was on the show, we talked about the brand split and, and the shakeup and how you're missing out on a ton of potential matchups by having the brand split. I understand why they're doing it, but it was kind of a failed attempt the first time they did it. And it's like they didn't learn anything from it. They didn't come out with any better ideas on how to handle it. Um, so that, that to me is one of the biggest negatives. I think it, it sucks when you, you're looking at your roster and you're like, man, SummerSlam, we could do AJ Styles versus Samoa Joe. And you're like, yeah, but they're on different rosters, so now we can't do that. So I think it takes like you know it takes a lot of potential matches out, and it kind of shoehorns them into okay, well, now we're gonna have this is our format for both these shows, and these are the people we have to work with, as opposed to having a plethora of talent like I said with their main event rosters, where some of these guys should be going for like the IC title, um, but it's it's just so spread out that it's kind of weird, and now they're doing the. Uh, free agent thing already with John Cena. And that's like, it makes, to me, that makes your general managers of SmackDown look stupid because they didn't re-sign the 16-time world champion, better known as John Cena. Like, the idea of a free agent in any sport, someone of that caliber would be like if Wayne Gretzky, for instance, the great one, or Michael Jordan didn't get re-signed. Like, just was a free agent. You know, like, that doesn't make any sense. I I never liked that concept. And when they start doing stuff like that, that's when the brand split just dissipates and they ignore it altogether. So hopefully they're moving towards that. We'll see what happens. And that generally happens when the ratings start to fall with these brand split things, or it did in the past at least, the the other times they've tried to do this. Uh, The other thing that I dislike is um, changing of the ropes for the cruiserweight matches because they only last two fucking minutes. It takes them longer. Mm-hmm. Like, if you go see a live event, it takes them longer to get the ring set up yep. than it does the actual match. The way they handle the cruiserweights in general is, is almost a joke. I know they have a separate show for them, but if they put them on this three-hour Raw and just gave them an hour, you're going to get a lot better matches and a, a better product overall because your cruiserweight belt is can be your lower card. WCW did it um, and kind of had like a proven method for that. Uh, but it's it's almost like, you know, when you when you look at it that way, it's like those wrestlers are kind of wasted. So, like, your Neville, uh, outside of, like, Neville in the cruiserweight division, pretty much, like, everyone there is kind of just doing nothing or don't they don't really have anything to do, and then they're on, like, a one-hour show that comes on WWE Network. So they have to try to get in, like, shoehorn all those matches in there instead of executing the time slot that they have. And the three-hour the three hour Raws... Um, with the way they currently book and the way they've booked for years, it's just it, – it's sometimes it feels like it's a chore to watch, which it, yep. if you're watching something and it feels like a chore, then you're 
you have some hardcore love for it. And I think when you start losing your core audience and pushing them away with, with you know, like you said, with that some bad booking decisions as well as just a really long product that's similar week to week, um, it gets kind of stale. And I think you I think you lose, you know, you lose people like that. So those are those are things I think negative. I don't want to harp on them too hard, but those are those are some negatives that I see immediately. No, absolutely, it makes sense. Uh, Philip, give us give us your fill. Okay, my negatives, um, what they do with the cruiserweights, with, which is what Chris was talking about, it's like, why don't they do the WCW thing? Give them the first hour. Give the, uh, then give the other two hours to uh, the Raw talent or the SmackDown talent. Um, I don't get it. Uh, you're giving these guys less than five minutes to have a match, and a lot of those cruiserweight guys are in like tip-top shape to where they can work 10-minute matches just like anybody fucking else can. Uh, that does make me mad because I was because when uh, the tournament came up, I was excited. I was like, yeah, we get to see like all these cruiserweights from all around the world. And then when that's over, then they do 205 Live, and I've watched 205 Live, and I'm like, this sucks. They they it's 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 like they showed some interest. And then they stop caring, and it's like, well, you need to do something with it. Either you keep the show, keep some of those guys, and cancel the show, and have them get on the Raw and uh, be Raw and SmackDown roster, and, and keep the Cruiserweight title. But have it on both shows. Um, also, the way that Mr. McMahon. Um, how he controls things. He's old school. I get it. But at the same time, it's like you have to get out of that comfort zone of you've got to have your Hulk Hogan's and all that, like, you know, your Cena's and stuff like that, be champion when um, there's a lot of guys out there that's under six foot who can outwork a lot of those guys. Um and Triple H has the right idea, but Vince isn't giving him the uh, reins to do that. And I'm sure it's pissing him off. He's probably uh, waiting on the old SOB to die, but, you know, that's he's in pretty good shape, so you've probably got another 10 years for that guy. Um, those are my negatives. And a lot of the useless pay-per-views, like Great Balls of Fire, I'm like, are you serious? Like... Why? Uh, that's a Jerry Lee Lewis song, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like someone heard yeah. that song and was like, "We should name the pay per view that." Like, and then the logo. It's gonna be like great balls of fire. fire. Yeah, it's like well, it's like there's so many useless pay like the pay per views. Like, uh, is there still a capital punishment? I know there's still. Uh, a battleground. I know there's that. That's still a thing. But it's like, get rid of the useless pay-per-views and bring back pay-per-views like King of the Ring. Yeah. That 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 would be awesome. Uh, and stuff like, like that. But there's a couple pay-per-views that I'm just like, ah, I don't know. You guys could have done better than that. It's almost like WCW when they had like in the like in the late I think it was like 1999 to like 2000, and one they had a couple really shitty pay-per-views, and I was like, 
you could have brought back an older pay-per-view that you don't use anymore and revamp it and give it meaning, but you're not. You're just throwing. It's almost like they have a pay-per-view, but you're. it's almost like you've watched a Raw or a SmackDown event. It's like that wasn't that special. Then again, nine ninety nine a month for uh, the network is better than $60 a month for one pay-per-view. So you yeah. can't bitch that much, you know. Yeah, but all I, right. I think it's made them kind of lazy. And that's 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 my negative. And that's his negative. No, I agree with you, Phil. And like <laughs> what you guys are talking about with the cruiserweight division. Man, I watched two oh five live right before we had the show. And uh good show. Just um, I've been a part of that audience. We're done. SmackDown's over. We're exhausted. We're staying yeah. there for more wrestling and stuff like that. And people Titus and Neville were having words. Uh Titus was representing the Kiritozawa, he was in Japan. And if you guys obviously watched uh, what happened, Titus got in a confrontation with Braun Strowman. So Neville is cutting this amazing heel promo, and the people start chanting, you're no Strowman, over and over again. It's like, God, if Neville can't fucking do this over there, I don't know what the fuck they're going to do. I I completely agree with you. Just put the first hour. I love the stuff that they do on that show. It's just not – it's not a – They have potential. Yeah, it has potential that's not getting a lot of uh, traction from, uh, you know, the audience. Um, Thomas, uh, how do you feel? Oh, honestly, you guys made a lot of valid points that are similar to mine. Like, I I truthfully feel like pay-per-views, like you said, were, you know, they used to be something special. Now they're just extended episodes of Raw or SmackDown. Um, the, the only true network, like, pay-per-view, I guess you can call it, that I feel are special are the NXT takeovers. And even then, those happen once every three, four months, something like that. But I think it's also, like, how they, how they hype it up that makes it so special, so important. Because there's always something that, oh, well, yeah, you have the weekly NXT, but, oh, shit, look, a steel cage. You never see that on NXT. Like, it's something... It's something special, and the WWE main main product doesn't have that anymore. Um, the cruiserweights are definitely a problem. Like I feel like instead of putting them on their own show or putting them on the Raw brand, they could have easily used the cruiserweight title as as uh, NXT's secondary title, rather than you know trying to shove them into the land of the giants, as they like to call it, and force them down our throats and make us care. Which hey. It hasn't worked, with the exception of Neville and, like, the first three weeks of the division being on the main roster. There is zero, like, there is zero connection between last year's Cruiserweight Classic and what we see on TV now. And it's really sad because a lot of these guys are talented and a lot of these guys can go, but they're never going to be given the proper chance because they're not using them right. Um. The brand split definitely is a problem as well. And I feel like it's going to go the way of, I want to say it was 2010 when they ended the last brand split. Because I remember they were doing the quote-unquote talent exchanges between Raw and ECW and then SmackDown and ECW. And then eventually they just said, oh, fuck it. We're just going to put them all on the same roster. Nobody will care. And, like, it quietly ended. I feel like give it, give it a year. 
And I guarantee you it will be back to that same way. Or they'll have to do something incredibly drastic to change how people, like, see these rosters. Because it makes zero sense why you have, like, and I, I enjoy Jinder Mahal as WWE champion. Don't get me wrong. But it makes zero sense how you have guys like Baron Corbin who's been busting their ass. And, yeah, he has money in the bank. But does he only have money in the bank because of how thin the roster is? You mean to tell me that if it was a joint, you know, a joint brand again, that somebody like AJ Styles overall would have had the briefcase, or somebody like Seth Rollins would have won the briefcase again, if it was a joint branded pay per view? It, it it feels to me like they're forcing a lot of things, and I think that's my biggest issue, like above all else. Well, I like to force my great balls of fire. Sorry. Awful. Um, absolutely terrible. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, well, he's probably said it before. There is a time period where Vince thought that that was a great idea for a pay-per-view name. Um, all right, speaking of which, passing the torch, guys. Are we creatively looking forward to the day that Triple H, you know, I don't want to – it seems like Vince is going to be doing this until he's dead. He's in the grave. But So I don't want to see that because – as much as he's pissed me off, he's created a lot of stuff that I've enjoyed watching. He's basically like an adult version of, of uh, Walt Disney for me, if that makes sense, with his yeah. stuff being guys beating the crap out of each other compared to cartoons. But whatever, it doesn't matter. Uh, but are we looking forward to Triple H taking it over creatively and Vince stepping down based on what Triple H has shown us, what he wants to do with NXT as an example? Uh, Chris, what do you think? I think it, it when Van, when Vince does step down, it's it's not just Vince. It's also weeding out some of the yes men that have worked for Vince for years, and probably some of even the agents. Um, and if Triple H can get that under control and do something similar to what he's done at NXT, I, I am looking forward to it. The primary difference between what he's done on NXT and what he's done in WWE is the amount of TV time they're going to have. So I hope it's it doesn't just you know continue to tread water um, the way it has. So it the NXT you know it's it's a one hour show once a week it's taped and when you take over Raw and SmackDown you're going live for five hours plus two hour pay per views twice a month split between brands if they keep the brand split so it's going to be big shoes to fill like I think people. If you think about just the amount of TV time they have, Vince is probably doing a pretty good job still. still. Um, it's just there's, <laughs> there's so much TV time that they end up retreading storylines, especially with a split roster. So, yes, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to the new era. Hopefully Triple H is a guy that can turn the company and, and kind of do something unique or have some really cool, unique storylines. Um, I hope when that day comes, we don't just end up with a bunch of Triple H pay-per-view matches all the time. I mean, he's going to end up having another one this year, probably against Kurt Angle. Uh, it's going like to have an hour entrance. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I yes, I am looking forward to it. I just think when he takes over, people need to have realistic expectations based on where the product is when he takes it over. Because he's going to have to change a lot of things, not only 
from a TV standpoint, a formatting standpoint, but also just the people that are already there who are agents and who are writers and, um, all, you know, there's no telling how many writers Raw actually has. So it, it's, it's kind of a, it's, it's going to be big shoes to fill. Let's just put it that way. Man, are you saying that Michael PSA is not going to have a job after all this? <laughs> um, ah, it's possible. <laughs> it's, it's possible. Oh, God. I'm going to have uh, an entrance. It's going to be two hours with a molten lava lake uh, and a moat. And, yeah, actually, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be myself. a or Conan. And I'm going <laughs> to... He sounds like it reminds me of like what I do by Triple H impression of what he demands for his entrances. It reminds me of uh, Lucifer or Satan on the episode of uh, South Park for his uh, birthday party. <laughs> but over oh, her, yeah. No, I can't do that. Anyways, doesn't matter. It's stupid. Um, I, I am looking forward to Triple H taking over creatively myself because I think that we need a new vision going forward, and I think that Chris is absolutely right. A lot of the guys that have been there for a while, you know. Um, They'll probably go away. They'll finally dissipate or, or be moved to the background. And Triple H will bring up his writers. One of the main writers for SmackDown right now is one of his best friends, uh, Jesse James. So I don't think Road Dogg's going anywhere, especially when uh, you know Triple H comes back up. So with him, I'm more. I think that Vince knows how to run the business. I'm not talking about that. When it comes down to making the last decision for storylines and treating wrestlers a certain way and trying to figure out new ways to do it, I think Triple H is going to be an enhancement. And I like the product that he has with NXT. I like the little videos that they do, like the cam videos. Like it, I know they're going for like a reality concept, but that's fine. It's, it's better than some of the bullshit that we get with Bray Wyatt and the waste that they're doing with that guy altogether. Because um, yeah. that's just a conversation. You know, it's, it's better than some of the, the, the promo shit that they, they do. But Triple H takes it back to back in the day and mixes newer elements together for his promos. And his, his stuff is more about badass matches and badass fighting. And that's, I think, the best way to do it. That's how New Japan does it. So I am kind of looking forward to it. Thomas, uh, hearing us all talk about this, what's your take on it? I can't wait for Vince to croak. Oh, God, that's going to cost me a job somewhere. Um, <laughs> You're fired! <laughs> Honestly, like, I truthfully think Triple H is doing everything right. Um, the way he's helped develop the NXT brand and, like, it, it's hard for me to try to touch on something that you guys have already touched on because you you have all brought up such great points. Um, I just, I truthfully feel like when the time comes, Triple H is going to be able to take the reins and, like, make the WWE better than it ever has been because he's already done such a good job with the, with the development of the NXT brand, the development of the women's division. You know, it, there's so many more opportunities with an ever changing indie market as well. Like there's such talent that can be brought in and make that product good, you know? So uh, it's just a matter of time. It's a wait and see thing. Absolutely. I mean, you just basically said you can't wait to see uh, Vince, six feet under, and then ended the conversation very casually and nicely. So I appreciate that, Thomas, for that. That was uh, – that was. <laughs> but, uh, Phil, before I pass it to you, you know, one thing that we're not, we're not thinking about and talking about, and I should pr- probably bring this up, is mm-hmm. 
when when Vince gives the reins to Triple H, you know, WWE might have competition now, you know, a lot more with Impact. It could definitely have a lot of competition with New Japan, which is going to be our next thing that we're going into. Um, and not yeah. only that, Chris tries to make me realize, and I have been, Vince doesn't give a shit about ratings. And some of the reasons he has, you know, good reasoning, mostly it's backed on his money. But that's mm-hmm. not going to be good once he passes this, you know, company to Triple H after just, like, ignoring stuff. He's going to – Triple H is going to have to redo everything to try to repackage yeah. stuff. Do you think that – are you looking forward to, uh, you know, passing the torch, and do you think that Triple H is going to be hit with a lot of stuff, too? I'm looking forward to the passing of the torch. I don't know when it's going to happen because uh, right now, Fiscal Man doesn't have Alzheimer's, so he's not going all like Ronald Reagan on it. But um, uh, the thing is, is Vince McMahon just gave him an idea for a gimmick. That's not good. Yeah. If Vince McMahon is 90 years old and his brain is still working correctly, you're going to have Vince McMahon as, uh, you know, the owner and the decision maker. So right now, I don't wish for him to die. I don't wish for anyone to die. Um, but it's it's one of those things of he's going to be here for a while and maybe not. Like he might go, oh, well, I need to. Give my son-in-law this uh, job, you know, hopefully. But uh, Triple H has a lot of great ideas, and he's really good with the talent because he also is a wrestler, well, was and is still. Um, so he understands a lot of uh, the struggle with a lot of the guys. So it's easy for him to communicate with the talent than it is for Vince McMahon, who, you know, is just, um, I guess, not getting political, but like a president today, that that's like I said it. Fuck you. Here we go. Let's go. And and yeah. that's my look into it. It's it's hard to battle a narcissist. I mean, the guy thinks he shits gold nuggets, so you know, let him think that. That's in his mind. But sooner or later, there's gonna be a change. There's gonna be a uh, a coup, or well, I hope not a coup, but a there's going to be a change of the regime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's going to be like Cuba. (laughs) That's just nuts. I didn't even realize that was going to happen. But, um, (laughs) no, I mean, it's all a good point. I think we're all making uh, great decisions. Shit, Vince was in a uh, storyline with Donald Trump, if you guys don't remember that. I mean, he's only using it right now for something on Twitter to argue with people. But this is not a political show, so we're not going to that. No. And I I know that, you know. Exactly, exactly. And I noticed that when you said, like, I, I guess you and Thomas, as far as a promoter and the fact that, you know, both of you guys looking at wrestling, Vince McMahon's extremely intimidating from every wrestler, even Stone Cold, from when they first meet him. I think that yeah. when you're talking to someone that is a past wrestler instead of a past promoter, that is a world of difference to be able to rely on being able to talk to you about the whole entire thing. So I, I never thought about that perspective. Uh, do you guys want to head down to a little place I call Japan? All right, let's sure, do it. Sure, let's go to the um, Rising Sun. Exa- exactly. Um, was the Rising Sun the name for it? Never mind, I don't even want to go into that. All right, uh, do you think New Japan has a chance to rival WWE in the near future? Now, me and Chris have talked about this, so I'll pass it to you guys first. Um, I just think that based on a lot of things collectively – 
them doing the U.S. tournament, selling out, the fact that Okada was, was ridiculously over coming over here. People, and I don't think it's just the wrestling marks, they're very aware with wrestling. And New Japan has a new product coming out. Well, there's also been stuff that Jim Ross said he's staying away when it comes to storylines, stuff like that. But he has been putting words in their ear about the way that they do their television stuff. Uh, so, you know, different perspectives and concepts, the fact they have a U.S. title, um, if their avenues were to line them up with trying to do a show, maybe weekly, even if it's recorded, um, more so and kind of split up their talent a little bit and use Ring of Honor to bounce back with, uh, do you think that in the next couple of years, honestly, New Japan can become a viable threat to WWE as a competitor, if not at least how TNA was in the mid-2000s when it was rising? Um, so what, what do you think, Thomas? Um, honestly, in in comparison, in comparing rather to how TNA used to be, absolutely, I think it could be that type of threat. And it's interesting that you mentioned Jr. because, if I'm correct, Jr. is one of the founding members of the Fight app, which a lot of you know indie networks have used yep. recently to like promote their pay-per-views and stuff. So if they were to sit there and be able to use that as a platform, as well as, you know, being able to defend the IWGP United States championship on ring of honor television, which honestly, I, this might be going a little ahead. I completely had Jay lethal winning that just based off that relationship. And I'm slightly disappointed, but I'm happy at the same time. Um, but I truthfully think that New Japan has that chance, that TNA of, say, 2000, let's go 2003 to 2006 had before all the big changes happened. I truthfully think that that right there could be their big chance if they keep doing what they're doing. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And, hey, man. I know what you're saying about Jay Lethal, but he had those ribs. And honestly, we know Canadians make the best U.S. champs. I mean, oh, Kevin Owens and Kenny Omega. <laughs> Try to argue with me, motherfuckers. I'll take you down. <laughs> Philip, uh, same yes. question. New Japan, do you, do you see that becoming a, a decent threat uh, to at least uh, WWE's wallet? You know, if, no, I, I'm not saying WCW in the, in the Monday Night Wars or anything like that. Okay. Um, I see New Japan could be a threat. Um, they have guys like Kenny Omega, Okada. Uh, they got the Young Bucks and stuff like that. You, you know, they've got the Bullet Club. And um, is Cody Rhodes in New Japan? Because I know he's the Ring of Honor champ yeah. now. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So you've got a lot of guys like take Cody Rhodes, who kind of got the short end of the stick in WWE going and doing the indie shows, uh, doing Ring of Honor, becoming the Ring of Honor champ, doing things in New Japan, a lot of the people who were disgusted at the way that Cody Rhodes and uh, how Cody Rhodes was treated, yeah, they, they're going to tune into that. Um, if New Japan had a network like the WWE Network, oh, yeah, they they could they could easily be the 90s WCW to the WWF slash E, in my opinion. It's just the whole thing of networking and getting it out there to a lot of Americans who only watch one show, which is sad, but that, that's, that's just how it is. But I think they've got the talent, and 
money too to combat with WWE. Yeah, just, and um, they we're actually, gonna have to see how it goes. Kenny Omega is absolutely fucking amazing. They did, and then Jay Lethal or Jay Lethal, uh, not Jay Lethal. Uh, <laughs> Jeff Jarrett left, and Dixie Carter destroyed that fucking thing. Even getting um, Billy Corgan. Yeah. Uh, we're not talking about what, what happened to TNA and the downfall. Of that. Well, but uh, they do. They Dixie do have Carter a network. Dixie Carter's a soap uh, opera chick. Yeah, she's an idiot. Um, yeah, rich daddy. Uh, I, I, you could say certain people are idiots, right? Uh, I, but um, no, going by what you said though, um, it's just 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 everything. Uh, the, the network there is actually a network for New Japan, and if they haven't already, uh, they're trying to make it more uh, user friendly to U.S. Because even if you yeah. um, translate it, I tried it and it was like holy shit! Like it was so hard to figure out what the hell was where. Although not that the network makes it easy to find fucking matches. I don't know why they can't everything sequence like each show like uh, like Netflix. But I'm not going to complain about the WWE network right now. Um, but going uh, forward, you know, Chris, we've talked about this so many times, and you know, even WWE talent, if they don't want to stay, or even TNA for that matter, it, New Japan seems a damn good option now. And we've already talked about it. Dan O'Brien, if he comes out of retirement like he's talking about, he's going to be fucking around with Ring of Honor in New Japan. Even with his new style that he's worked on, the monkey style or whatever, it's going to be one of those options. Uh, and we also said, he said himself, even though he said he's never coming back, CM Punk's going to make a return. It's going to be in New Japan. So, I mean, in the next five years, a lot of stuff could happen. What do you think about that? Well, honestly, I mean, like we've talked about beforehand, I think the biggest thing is getting broadcasting that's not, you know, access TV, something that's a little more accessible for everyone in the United States, <laughs> getting on uh, either a local network or, you know, or Spike or, or something that more people have with their cable packages, I think will go a long way, um, as well as getting a better English translation of New Japan World, which is where they stream their pay-per-views. I think that will help them a lot. Um, it's pretty easy to use if, you, if you've banged around on it a lot, but I think that's a thing that they'll definitely need to improve on. Uh, the Fight app will help if, if they go that route as well. Uh, they have the talent. I think WWE risks losing talent to New Japan um, just because they can look over and see how much like Rhodes is making in merch. Uh, and he, he, he's came out and said he's made more money since leaving WWE than he did when he was in WWE. So, that I mean, that it makes it a viable option. Not everyone is going to have, like, you know, the, uh, the same success that, that Cody Rhodes is having. But when you start looking at some of these guys who might want to make a comeback at some point, like, like a Daniel Bryan or even a CM Punk, if CM Punk ever wanted to do that, those are big American names that could be used. Um, 2018, they said they've already announced that they're going to be opening a dojo and trying to turn uh, 2018. They're trying to turn California into a territory in, in the in the sense of like AWA. Um, and if they can do that successfully and maybe get help from Ring of Honor, who I believe is Sinclair Broadcasting, to yeah. try to get their stuff out there to more people. Uh, just so they can get eyes on it on a weekly basis uh, and, and keep the shows up to date weekly as opposed to if you're watching it on Access right now live, with the exception of G1, they're, they're like a month behind where New Japan actually is in storyline. So I think all of those things combined, if they can get all that nailed down and get it right, 
and and do it well, I think that they have a really good shot to to be uh, maybe not on the same level. WWE just has the name, the household name value, and they will always have the household name value. Um, so I think they'll still always be top dog, but they could definitely be a legitimate threat, and they can make money. They can make a fuck ton of money in the United States, and that's what it all really comes down to. If they can get like a good investor and make money, um, then yeah, I mean they they definitely can be a threat on the same level as TNA. I mean TNA's highest rating they ever pulled I think was like a two one or something, and that was when they were on Spike. So I think New Japan could technically surpass where TNA was as far as like viewers. Um, it's just Americanizing the product enough and making it accessible for people to watch and you know, having good-ass matches. And I think the partnership with Ring of Honor will help there, um, having guys like Jay Lethal and um, the Briscoes and, and, and those kind of names that people have known in wrestling for a long time. Uh, that, I mean, that definitely So, yeah, it's, it's, it's something they can do. But it's also one of those things, uh, I think people, you know, people really enjoy the WWE Network. So I think they could if they make New Japan world better, in the American market and a little easier to use, I think that would go a long way until they can bridge this gap of Americanizing it a bit. Um, that, I mean, that's the big thing. They, I mean, they have the top-tier talent. They put on the quality matches that we want to see. It's just making it easy access for the average viewer. You know, for the 10-year-old kid, for the 10-year-old kid that just watches, you know, WWE you you got you want to reach them, and, and so I mean that's the other thing. And I think them having women wrestling in America would be a uh, a highlight to their show if they wanted to add that because they don't really do that in Japan, um, at least New Japan. So I, I definitely agree yeah. with that. And correct, like if like say for instance they teamed with like Stardom or something, which is you know an all female promotion in Japan, and they sat there and did did the, uh, they did that, or they brought over you know girls from Shine or Shimmer, and they did something like that with them. I think that would help them, especially since a lot of the girls from Shine and Shimmer are from either out west or down in Florida, and you know they bring that whole that whole different style because a lot of them are Japanese inspired. Perfect example is Mia Yim, the former Jade from TNA. You know, mm-hmm. so I, I definitely agree with that. Also, correct me if I'm wrong. This is going to be their second attempt at a dojo in the United States, is it not? Because then they have like the Anoki dojo like 10 years ago or something like that. They did. And technically this wasn't their first live event. They did a interbranded live event with Florida wrestling when Ric Flair was champion for NWA in like the nineties where they had a champ versus champ match. So it's not the first time they've tested the waters. I think this is the first time that they've had the American stars necessary to kind of bridge that gap. And if they can keep all those guys together, if they can keep the bullet club together and and they can maybe even pick up a couple more big names, um, and bring in people like, you know, like Matt Riddle or, you know, Jay Lethal on a consistent Billy basis, Gunn. or maybe even the Briscoes. That's not Billy Gunn, but I'm, I'm not going to hate on Billy Gunn. They just put him in a really bad situation against Tanahashi. <laughs> I love um, Billy Gunn. Uh, so, yeah, there, there's, there's, there's ways to do it. I think it's possible. I do think it's possible. 
Well, uh, another but thing yeah, bring, I, bringing know, in Shimmer, I agree a hundred percent on that. Like I think that yeah, it's the same same as they do as Ring of Honor. The more indie promotions they can bridge with and give other people opportunities, that equates back to NXT. But you're not signing them on it. You can pull them in to do one offs, and I think you know. People want to see that. They want to see new, interesting characters on a week-to-week basis. And then, and then, like, in the late 90s, when you had WWE and WWF running at the same time, you had, like, really unique kind of out-there characters in mid-card matches, and you don't really have that in WWE right now. Like, you had, like, Val nope. Venus versus Edge. Val- and, like, Val Venus's character is, like, super over-the-top, and Edge's character was super over-the-top at the time period. Like, just crazy stuff like that. I think there's a lot of stuff you could do. Like, it, with, it, like female wrestler, for instance, Session Moss, who's, like, she drinks, like, a 16-ounce beer while she wrestles. Like, there's cool stuff oh. you can do. They don't need to gimmick it too much, but, like, there's a lot of really Is cool that, like, the female Bastion Booger? Session Moss? Session Moss is awesome. You can check her out. <laughs> Does she look like Bastion Booger? Absolutely no. not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, that's my kind of woman, then. If she can drink a 16-ounce beer and wrestle and not look like Bastion Booger, I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll ask her out. Is she like Awesome Kong, or uh, is she like uh, ODB? I'll link out oh. a session match after the, uh, after, the, <laughs> after the show. Hey, Awesome Kong was on Glow, man. I'm hoping that she comes back. I know. I, you know, it's funny. Speaking of, I did not recognize her. Real quick. Can we take a break real quick? How great was yeah. Glow? How, yeah, how Glow great was great. Was that whole series. The show is oh, way better than the actual promotion. Okay, the Netflix <laughs> show is way better than the promotion because the promotion's bad. <laughs> but yeah, I love the show. Mr. Monopoly, probably one of the greatest hills of all time. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Alex Riley? Jesus Christ. He's a fucking monster now. I was surprised by that show. Pleasantly surprised. Yeah. Well, and the trainer was Chavo Guerrero. Yeah, uh, they had a couple other wrestlers. I think, um, whatchamacallit, uh, Johnny uh, Mundo, he was in there. Yeah. He was uh, Salty Johnson. The guy guy with the American fucking gimmick where he loves Donald Trump. And he has three of the cruiserweight titles in AAA. What the hell are they letting him do in Mexico? Shit's crazy over there. I decided <laughs> to watch like a little bit of wrestling the other day. Uh, I think this is Monday from each like country. I told Chris what I was doing. He's like, "Do you have nothing to do?" And I was like, "No, nah, man. I fucking went to Britain. I went to fucking uh, Australia. Watched a little bit of wrestling over there. India. I mean, it's just crazy the way the audience participates. AAA. Everyone's got their own thing. I'm telling you." This is going to sound ridiculous, and I, I, I said this on the air once, but uh, hear me out. I think that professional wrestling could be in the Olympics. I really do. And the way that it could be is if each country worked on routines and they had one set where it was in-ring performance of, like, putting on a match between two people and the other ones was about spots and stuff like that and, like, more impressive and kind of did it more on, like, a, a, I guess a ballet type of concept. I know that all the old guys would be – wanting to kill me. Jim Cornette would come after me with a pick for it for even suggesting this. But I'm just saying, well, I think they could do that. He's a miserable asshole that coughs all the time in his interviews. I don't know why. Is he have COPD? He's doing the break. Goddamn Vince Russo. <laughs> he's got the, uh, he's got the Breaking <laughs> Bad gimmick going on. That's what it is. Yeah. 
like that kind of cancer that makes that, you cough. Yeah, Jim Cornette is very, I can't even do his voice. All right, well, let's get back on track, guys. Talking about Olympics and shit. I need to stop smoking so much fucking weed. Um, all right, guys. Serious question. You can only choose one. Better in-ring performer between Kenny Omega and AJ Styles. So, oh, you know, yeah. especially based off athleticism, uh, that's the main concept. Who now, do you like, like more? Do you think better? Um, I guess, yeah, it's not fair because it's a five-year difference. But, I mean... Was Jer- was Jericho like that much better 40. than HBK and in what? Because AJ is like forty, isn't he? Uh, Still fucking killing uh, it. Like how, how old was Shawn Michaels? How old was Shawn Michaels when he did his uh, comeback and was uh, feuding with Jericho, who was five years younger than him? I think he was around the same age. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think. So. Um, yeah. All right. It's close. So, seriously, AJ Styles or Kenny Omega? I'm gonna go last because I can do that. Uh, Chris. Let me put you on the spot. Well, it's <laughs> a tough one because I think, like, even if you took – if you wanted to think about, like, five-star matches and you average them, they both are, like, right near each other probably. Um, uh, yeah, I, I don't – you know, I'm going to go – I'm going to – I'm gonna go AJ Styles just because I think AJ Styles shows up to every match, and Kenny Omega kind of shows up to the big matches. So like, if you watch, AJ Styles has a good match with everyone. Like, he had a good match with Shane McMahon, and right now, like, Kenny Omega is working really other great fucking workers in New Japan. So I believe that Kenny Omega could get to that level, but right now I'm gonna I'm gonna give it to AJ Styles. Well, uh, Kenny Omega did have a, a wrestling match with a blow-up doll and a mop, so he can he can make magic happen apparently with that. Thank God I never saw any of that horse shit. Um, Thomas. Blow-up doll was great. You forgot about the nine-year-old, too. That match was great. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, see, if you can like a mop, <laughs> then <laughs> you're fucking amazing. I understand where he was coming from as far as, you know, the competition-wise, but at the same point, look at where Kenny is and look where AJ is. AJ has to be on TV every week. So he kind of has to bring it to keep his job, you know? Um, But as far as being a better athlete, I – you know what? I'm going to give it to AJ, too, because – it, it it really is hard to look at like their careers on a parallel and say, oh yeah, they're about the same because they're not. Like AJ's always lived up to his his moniker of being phenomenal, no matter where he was, with the exception of WCW. Um, like it, it's hard, <laughs> it's hard to uh, it's hard to think of a bad AJ Styles match. Like I really can't. That's, that's I'm doing the same thing. Unless you go back to WCW. No, you, you that was even a good that. match. <laughs> yeah, he saved his ass on that. All right, yeah, uh, Phil. I'm going to go with AJ. So we got okay. another AJ. Uh, Phil, do you got AJ Styles or do you got uh, Kenny Omega? I have AJ Styles. It's like what the other two guys were talking about. That, you, you know, 
like he's going to show up like every week, you know. Um, he doesn't get to choose when he gets to do his thing. Um, and at the age he is now, and he's still taking those high-risk bumps, like a money in the bank when he was hanging on to the, uh, I guess, uh, the cable that had, like, uh, the briefcase, and he took that fucking bump. It was just like when he took the bump from uh, – was it in TNA with that stupid cage where no one could exit? The uh, the asylum match? <laughs> yeah, and he, like, head bumped. I was like, oh, so what shit. Yeah, but at this age now, and he's still – like, he still wrestles like he's in his 20s and all that. I'm choosing AJ. Plus, I'm choosing AJ because – I've kept up with him since I was, you know, early 2000s. And uh, also, fun little fact, it doesn't really mean anything. Um, AJ actually is my cousin's first cousin. So I've actually got to meet AJ like two times at like their events for like the family. I just got invited. It's like, hey, you I know he's not your cousin, but you want to come over to my mom's family reunion and meet him, and I got to meet him. Then my uncle was the preacher for his grandpa's funeral. So, I don't know, some weird little connection of uh, of being in Georgia, I guess. And my family mostly lives in Gainesville, so I guess that kind of, I don't know. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. I think that a lot of us feel that way about about AJ Styles because he is a hometown hero. I think based on his age, I can't. Well, first of all, what Kenny does now, I I don't know if it's gonna be physically possible for him to be as agile as AJ is now. You know, in five years. Oh God, no! To catch, you gotta catch up to. You him. gotta save your energy and save your spots. Hey, that's what Stone Cold always says: save your energy, save your spots. Um, but yeah, <laughs> and, I, my and, and I do agree beer. with that. What what the fuck's the point of that, kid? Um, but yeah, uh, yeah no, do, I, I do think the that, dive. I think that yeah, exactly. No more diving, right? 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 Any Orton, go fuck yourself, Brady. Anyways, there should be diving, it, but not so much. Just um, let's get in a completely different conversation, Phil. I'm trying to uh, yeah. Now, now, I, now I lost my train of thought. It's okay. I'm sorry. Um, all right. Anyways. It's all right. Uh, my choice would actually be, if we're talking about athletic, like, it's kind of hard not to say AJ Styles. And since that's the way I based it, best in-ring performer, I'll probably have to give it to him. But I want to say Omega overall is a package, even with them compared to right now. Omega's facial expressions, um, his his mannerisms, his gimmick is a hell of a lot stronger yeah. than AJ Styles. I've, I've always thought that AJ Styles – one of his weakest things is he's not the worst on the mic, but he's not the, the greatest either. And he's just like a, hey, I'm a, I'm a boy from Georgia, and I ain't stuck like that. Yeah, oh, no, I agree. I hate cornbread. Oh, I absolutely agree. So I think that it's kind of almost like the Ultimate Warrior reminds me of, like, the way he does certain weird mannerisms, or Macho Man. Like, like he's very sporadic when it comes to Omega. So overall package, I would give Omega, but, yeah, I think AJ Styles, in-ring performance, which is what we're talking about. I would have to give AJ. But this is like, I'm sure that people have the same conversation in 2005 with HBK and fucking Chris Jericho. Because, I mean, it's the type of stuff that us nerds talk about. So let's go to the next one. All right. Um, Kazuka Okada versus John Cena. 
who is the better face of their company and who represents them better, and who is the better in-ring wrestler. Okay. Ooh, um, Reaper. Okay. Um, um, I guess a gimmicks, gimmicks, I'm not going to really uh, – I don't. I can't – that's the one thing that hinders Okada's because, I, you know, I have to read. Anyways, uh, I'll give it to Thomas. I'll give it to you first. Who do you think's better? Who's the better face of the company? Better face of the company is Cena, without a doubt. Like, Cena has honestly revamped the WWE and made it as big as it is right now. And there, there is absolutely no denying it. Yes, it was big with the Austins and the Rocks and the Shawn Michaels back in the 90s. But up until – oh, and the Undertaker, sorry. Um, but up until, like, Cena's big rise in, like, 04, 05 in popularity – there has been nobody that has been able to touch him. Like, nobody has been able to touch him as far as what value he brings to the WWE. Yeah, I completely agree. And who's the better wrestler in ring? Better wrestler. Better wrestler, that's definitely Okada. And I think it's simply because Okada took the time to, you know, come to America with TNA. He also did some stuff in Mexico, and he got to learn different styles and all added it to his gimmick and his character, where Cena was, you know, the all-American, you know, started off in California, you know, went to, went to Louisville, and, like, he, he has that American base down. But he's also very, you know, one-sided. He, he's not multifaceted. Yes, he can, he can fly when he needs to, you know. He can show off the speed and a little bit of his technical game, but he's not, he's not what you would consider, you know, a true wrestler. He's always entertainment based. Like his matches are based off of, uh, off of just pure chemistry where Okada, he can get on the ground. He can amaze you. Like, like say you were watching an Owen Hart match, you know, you never know what fully to expect with Okada, but with, with Cena, it's, you know, you can quite literally say, all right, well, they're going to heat up on him. Oh, shoulder block. Shoulder block, protoplex, five knuckle shuffle, attitude adjustment, STF. Oh shit, that's the match. Rad. But with Okada, you know, there, there's so many in between, so many, so many variables with him, and I think that's what makes him the better wrestler. All right, Chris, uh, same question or questions. Christopher. All right. Um, I don't know. Maybe he's, he's doesn't know he's on mute. Um, let's go with Phil. What's your answer? Okay, Cena and Okada. Um, that's so hard. Okada, um, like what Thomas was talking about, is a better wrestler. He's got a lot more in his moveset. Uh, John Cena, though, he's, he's our Hogan. Uh, you've always got to... <laughs> cheer for Hogan, um, not so much now since we kind of, you know, his dirty laundry came out, but um, <laughs> um, it, it's it's hard because Okada, you know, not trying to be a xenophobe, but he ain't a damn American, but nah, I was kidding. Um, John Cena, though, <laughs> I mean, uh, growing up during the ruthless aggression era and all that, like you watched him evolve in the 80s. Now, yeah, he's limited to what he does. He's reserved. 
But that's for a reason. They wanted him out. Like, they wanted him in this for a, a good haul. Um, I think if they did a New Japan and a WWE promotion in America and they wrestled, I do believe that Cena would come out on top in the States. Uh, if they did one in Japan, m- probably Okada. So it's yeah. 50-50 to me. Dang, can you I don't know. Yeah. It's hard. Okay. Yeah. We can hear you now, Chris. Um, cool. So, yeah, same question. And, um, you know, actually I didn't get the answer, so I'm, I'm going to answer real quick and then I'll pass it to you, Chris. But one thing I have to say is it, it's hard for me to argue with either one of you guys because you have in-ring uh, experience. But I understand the perception with Cena and how he's grouped in the category a lot of times with the Hulk Hogan or the Rock or that type of concept. But I feel like John Cena's improved a lot. Uh, and he's Dude, one of the best people to put on matches with. Yeah, just like the flip power bomb and like he, he looks like he's improved his game. I'm just saying like I don't think yeah. he's as um, as hindered with his skills as, like, say, a rocker or a Hulk Hogan is. Um, True. But, yeah, I agree with you. I, I still think Okada is a better better all-around wrestler. The dude's got a fucking neck made out of, I think, titanium. I have no idea <laughs> how he's able to put that much strength on there. Uh, it's insane. And for for uh, face of the company, Okada's kind of rising right now is that concept, whereas I think that John Cena has been representing WWE – like the poster child for them for a very long time. And with all the stuff that he does, it's ridiculous. So, yeah, that's my answer. Chris, how do you feel? I mean, honestly, the face of the company, that board's always going to go to John Cena. I don't think anyone's done more for their wrestling company than John Cena has. He did it in a time where wrestling wasn't the most popular thing in the world. And he stayed at the top and he's kind of always been at the top, and I think he's still at the top. And it's not just he got pushed. It's that he moves that needle every time he shows up. So, like, from a rating standpoint, from the way he handles himself in press interviews, um, kind of just the whole package as far as being, a, like, you're the face of your company, it, it's going to be hard for Okada to ever get there as far as America goes. Now, if we're talking about in Japan specifically – I think that Okada is super respected as the, as the face of New Japan, and he's held the title for over 200 days at this point. So, I, I mean, I think when you think of New Japan, you think of Okada and you think of Omega immediately. But I think as far as a household name goes, there's going to be way more people that know John. Like, people know John Cena that don't care about wrestling. And yeah, that's yeah. what you want as the face of your company. That is the That is the Hogan factor when you yeah. can say oh mm-hmm. Cena and know who the hell you're talking about and that's the same thing I mean, when that's, it comes to like the rock and stone cold exactly yeah. that's about um, Rushmore as, as for uh, as for in ring ability I mean Okada's fucking phenomenal John Cena is I, I'll, I, I'm kind of on the same page with you John Cena's had some really great matches with good opponents and I think his matches are have, for the most part, the past two years been pretty solid. And some of the best matches in WWE outside of the NXT matches. So yes. I'll give I'll give credit where credit's due, but he's not on the same level as, as Okada. Okada's Okada's selling is better than John Cena 
in ring, like completely. Just the way he sells moves, like watch him, watch him take a high knee from Omega, and then it's so believable. It it makes me feel like a kid when I watch Okada get hit. Like I'm like, no, stop it. <laughs> Which is how I'm supposed to feel when I watch wrestling. Okada is probably the best wrestler in the world right now, and I think he just repeatedly shows it, no matter who he goes against. So, well, you know, and the, and, the, and you you say that too about Okada, and I mean the mix between his athleticism and his performance is just uncanny. There's so you come across certain guys in a given time, like your Randy Savages, like your Shawn Michaels and, and like your Eddie Guerrero's where it's just like, it, even though they're all different styles, the way they're able to perform in the ring is no one can fucking top it basically, especially for that time period. So I do agree. Okada's a badass. All right. So we were talking about face of the company goes right into this next question pretty well. So for the longest time, I think if triple H had it his way, there would be either AJ Styles um, or Seth Rollins as his person. Uh, but Vince is convinced that Roman Reigns is going to be the new face of WWE. He will eventually replace John Cena. You know, he retired The Undertaker. I will start and say that I don't hate Roman Reigns. I actually think what he's doing gimmick-wise now, where he's kind of sarcastic with the fans, is hitting it a hell of a lot more than it has been. And I don't think he's bad in the ring. He just needs to learn a couple more moves. I think he's actually, he moves pretty well, and he comes off extremely intimidating, and I'm looking forward to his match with Braun Strowman. That being said, Vince wants him to be the new face of WWE, and I don't think that's working very well. I think that maybe AJ or Seth or someone else maybe that's not even there is someone that I would put my eggs in that basket more so than Roman. And that's nothing against Roman. He can still be a top guy. He can still be the top dog or whatever the fuck. You know, I mean, Undertaker was never, like, Undertaker was amazing by himself. He always got the title. But he was never a John Cena or a, like he's known, but you guys know what I'm talking about. Like, um, how am I comparing? He's not like a Hulk Hogan or like a household name. Like, so Roman can still have that type of quality to him and be, you know, a, a locker room leader like he already is. But can Roman Reigns become the new face of WWE? Thomas, how do you feel about that concept? Oh, that's a tough one. I feel like, well, I can't even really go based off looks because he has the size. He has the presence. It's just I I can't see him as a face of the WWE with the current gimmick he has. Like, if he lost the vest and, you know, went to long tights or went back to trunks like he did in NXT and FCW, I can, I can see some new theme music. Yeah, something like that. Something that wasn't, you know, a reminder of, where he used to be. Because when you hear Roman's music now, I still yep. don't think Roman Reigns. I think The Shield, you know? They do. And it's, it's one of those things where if they change little things, like like you said, I love the way he's been like that uber douche since he's beaten The Undertaker. I love that because it adds an edge to his character and it makes him feel like, the anti-authority rebel, like how Stone Cold was, while still still playing to the fans in a way, but also like, ah, fuck you, I'll do what I want, you know? I love that. I think that will get him far, but I don't know how far, and I think that's what bothers me. So as far as him being 
you know, the future and the face of the WWE, I, I don't say right now or how they've been trying to make it so for like the last three or so years, but if you give it enough time, like two years, three years down the line, absolutely. But right now, no. <laughs> no. Does he need a heel turn, do you think, or can he stay like this before I pass it? I'd say the heel turn would would benefit him at the moment, especially if he, especially if somewhere down the line, somebody like Samoa Joe, you know, is it becomes the even bigger heel where somebody needs to take him down, and then Roman's finally like, "Well, wait a minute, this can't be. This is this is my yard now. Remember that? This is this is my yard." And you know, then. Then finally, you know, the fans might be on his side because everybody's tired of seeing Joe wreak havoc. Maybe. But then again, the fans have changed so much. Like, just just over the last yeah. five years, let alone the last ten. Like, everybody's in the know. Everybody, everybody wants to see, you know, carnage and mayhem. There's very few fans still left, He's you know, wanting a story. Yeah. Like, every, everybody wants... Everybody wants ECW. Everybody wants Carnage and Mayhem. And then they complain when they finally get a story. So it, it's one of those yeah. one of those hit and miss things, man. No, I completely agree with you. Uh, Philip, how do you feel? Uh, Roman Reigns, um, like, it's like what? He he could lose uh, the Bears, get a whole new uh, ring attire. Since you know, why still look like the Shield? The Shield's dead. The Shield's over. All right, we'll get rid of that. Mm-hmm. Change the song, and obvi- and like to me, right now he's at the point where The Rock was when he was a baby face in his early stage, where people were doing the uh, the die Rocky die signs and stuff. It's like yeah. all right, the fans don't like you, then. Fucking turn on them, tell them they're assholes. Go out there and just do a whole rant of how the fans suck, and he's the greatest. And do the whole uh, evolution of Rocky Maivia to the Rock. And yeah. also, he's got that Lex Luger complex when they were trying to push Lex Luger to the moon, and it didn't. It did not work. The whole Yokozuna yeah. and Lex Luger feud, it, it would have yeah. been great, but it's just like, I don't know, no one gave a shit about Luger because he was fucking playing and looked like one of the characters from Planet of the Apes. But, because <laughs> of his face. But, um, I don't know. <laughs> I think, like, if they repackaged him as a heel, that would work out. That's the problem with Roman is Vince McMahon and other people have been trying to shove him down our throats, and a lot of smart wrestling fans don't like that. We don't like a product shoved down our throats. Yeah. It's like, make him heal. Get him to piss the crowd off. He should he should brag about killing off The Undertaker a lot more and just be this pompous, big asshole who is also a threat. There you go. And like I said, lose the chest plate. Why do you have that? You already have rock-hard abs and all that. A punch (laughs) is not going to shatter 
is not going to shatter your abdomen or your chest. You're fine. You don't, you, you don't need that. You don't need it. Yeah. I think if they did a nation of domination oh, thing, get the Usos in to, like, kind of be his, uh, his guard dogs. Well, not his guard dogs, but his other two guys. It would be great. It would be the whole thing with the Rock and the Nation. There's nothing wrong with rehashing something as long as you don't, you know, take every aspect of that other thing and push it there. Absolutely. Like going, going along that, going along that, like they yeah. tried that, um, you know, before the brand split when Roman was WWE champion. You know, they had the Usos with him, and. Like, honestly, I like the whole nation idea, bring the whole Samoan dynasty and actually sign Sean Maluda instead of just having him do 205 Live. it is NXT. a dynasty. Yeah, no exactly. shit. Yeah. You know, just have him, have him do something with them. And Samoa Joe can expect- be the, the, the villain that they're building him to be compared to that Samoan family. The, uh, I forgot what their names are. The, anyways. Anna White. Sorry. Yeah, Anna White. Thank you. I try. <laughs> But yeah, I, uh, I think um, in the case of Roman Reigns, absence makes the heart grow fonder, similar to what it did with Triple H in 2002. So I would book him in some kind of injury angle and have him leave and come back against someone that's a major threat, like a Samoa Joe. If they didn't want to go that route, they could have him beat Lesnar and then take the title and leave, similar to what CM Punk did because the title's off TV anyways. Um, yeah. And then come back. I think with him, it's just that we've seen him for so long, and it's the same thing. Not that he hasn't evolved on the mic and in ring, but the actual package, which, like you guys said, change the package, is, uh, to me, that's something that you can't just do with him, because now everyone's so used to seeing it that he's got to, like, actually leave and come back, similar to what Triple H did in 2002. And when Triple H came back, even though everyone hated him going into that, when he came back for that Royal Rumble and that match against Sean, he was super fucking over. Yep. In a weird way that no one expected. Like, he got a huge pop. So sometimes yep. that works. I think that might be the case with Roman. Um, doing if he, if he did something where he beats Lesnar and is off TV and you have – you wanted to go the heel turn route, and because he beat Lesnar, you have Paul Heyman be his manager – that's probably the best way you could do a Roman Reigns heel um, heel turn is to actually put Paul with him and and just stop booking Lesnar. Uh, I think that's if you want to have a big monster, there's not enough room to have three or four. There's got to be one. It's one monster. And when you start getting so many, it doesn't mean as much. So you, right now you have Joe, who's supposed to be Killer Instinct, Samoa Joe. You have Braun Strowman who's a monster, and then you have Roman Reigns, who's booked as a monster. So you have, like, and then you have Brock Lesnar, who's your champ, and they're all kind of the same thing. Like, none of them are really good guys. None of them are really bad guys. They're just, all they're just like, guys. One match. they're just really fucking big monsters. So if you're going to do it, have him destroy the other monsters, and then put him with a heel manager, if you're going to turn him heel. If not, I would find a way to... Harvey, Harvey Whippleman! You stop that. Harvey Whippleman to represent you, Roman Reigns. You stop. 
Sorry. All right. Let's keep on going. And I, I really like that, Chris. I completely agree with you. I, I agree with everyone's stuff. This is good stuff. Good conversation. All right. That's a nice little uh, question. Do you think currently Vince McMahon, the WWE, on Maine, um, God, it's like you could ask about Sammy or Cesaro, but it's like obvious. But like, do you think they're using Shinsuke Nakamura correct or incorrectly? Um, how do you feel about that, Phil? Do you think that they're not using him right with the writing? Um, yeah, I, I I don't think they're using him as much as they did like in NXT. Like NXT, he came in as this new thing. He was this. Uh, he was a talent that was foreign. He came in and like he had that crazy entrance with the violin song, and everybody loved it. And now it's like they bring him into the main roster, and it's like, all right, well, here's this thing we we push to the moon, and and yeah, we're just gonna kind of put him in the mid card. But no, he Shinsuke Nakamura should. I'm not saying should be champ now, but in the next, I don't know, like three to four months, give him the title, let him run with it, because people love him. They love his song. His song's a fucking hit. I'm also not just saying his song is one is over because he he. He's a very versatile talent. I mean, like, yeah. Uh, but I don't think they're using him like they should. I mean, there's a lot of guys like Cesaro and Zayn. I think if Zayn got better on the microphone, though, like, I, I think he would be <laughs> elevated more than he was. He's like, I'm gonna go out there and I'm gonna do my best. I, I, my, my French Canadian. You know, it's like, all right, I get it. But with with Nakamura, he's like wrestling's Michael Jackson. I mean, he comes out in like the thriller clothes, does his whole, and the and the guy obviously does something better than didn't been like DDP yoga because I've been doing DDP yoga for a month and a half and I can't do that whole thing where you grab the rope and stretch down as far as you can. Nope. <laughs> but yeah, he's he's got a lot of potential. It's just they don't know how to use a lot of their their. New talent. Yep, it's the it's at the least the U.S. title in WWE. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. I completely agree. It's like when they tell NXT to release someone and they're like, I don't know what to do with them, and then they kind of shelf them or put them in weird situations like Bailey, where she's never kissed a boy. God damn it, Th- uh, Thomas. Yeah, that's um, weird. Uh, yeah, I know. Uh, how do you think? they're doing when it comes to Shinsuke? Are they uh, getting him to a certain level properly or not? Um, I think with the way the landscape is on SmackDown right now, they're doing everything they can to make him over. But it, he, it's only been, what, two, three months since he's been on SmackDown or on the main roster in general? It's... I don't know, because they put him into a really good program with Dolph right off the bat. And I think they did that because Dolph can work with anybody at any level. Like, he's that kind of guy. So for them to be doing what they're doing now and, like, hinting towards a feud with AJ, who, you know, he's worked multiple times in Japan, it'll help him. But right now, it's it's tough because he, he is along the lines of the Sami Zayn, except, you know, like he he's over, he's there, but he's not where he should be because in NXT he was like he was unbeatable. He was undefeated for 
six, seven months before before who was it? Samoa Joe finally beat him. Was it Samoa it, Joe rough. or Rude? I think it was Samoa it was Joe. That Bobby. Beat him. Yeah. Okay. No, I, I I think it was Samoa Joe because they had um they had that feud where they exchanged the titles uh, like two times apiece, and they're the only ones that have won the NXT title twice. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. I don't know, man. It's I'm really undecided on that one. I, I want to give it some more time before I sit there and say that they're wasting him. But I, I feel like he's fine where he is right now. Okay. Yeah, no, I mean, I see what you're saying, definitely. Uh, Chris, how do you feel? Do you think that they're doing it at a good pace, or do they need to speed some stuff up with Shinsuke? I actually think it's a fine pace for where Nakamura is at in his career. You're not getting 2012-2011 Nakamura. You're getting an older, more beat-down version of Nakamura, and they're still doing their best to make him look like the king of strong style. Like I, I, I don't think that his body is going to give him the kind of matches that he was doing when he was in New Japan. They realize that. They're trying to put him with good wrestlers to build it. So if they're going to do, you know, he just came off AJ. He had a big spot in Money in the Bank. He had that crazy comeback that I thought was pretty good. I mean, I don't know what else you're going to give him without with where the roster's at. A lot like what Thomas said. Like, if you put him over on Kevin Owens, you're hurting Kevin Owens. You can't immediately put him versus AJ Styles because AJ Styles is already in a program with Owens. Your top talent uh, is Jinder Mahal, and he's got the belt. So you can't just put him against Jinder because they're building that for a while. So he just got put kind of in a weird spot where, like, the people he has left to wrestle are probably going to be Zayn and Baron Corbin. And that's kind of it. And then also I don't think, like, I mean, his matches in NXT, while they were pretty good, they weren't the, the, the only one of those matches that really stood out to me as like a four or five star match was the one his first match against Sami Zayn um, because of the hype and, and the fact it was Sami Zayn's last match and Sami's in, in just fucking incredible worker that can do any kind of style. But when you start putting him in programs with like Rusev or like John Cena, I think that you're going to see that it's not the Nakamura of old. And I think that's unfortunate, but that's kind of where it is. So they just have a weird roster situation that goes back to the brand split and some of the booking decisions they made with gender. But I, I think the, the slow push is fine for him. I actually don't mind a slow push. As long as he's getting wins, he's, as far as I know, he's still undefeated in singles competition. So they could be going that route, which would be similar to what they did in the next And I think that will work, but it's, uh, it's going to take a while just because how they, they booked themselves in kind of a hole on SmackDown with their, their top tier champion being gender. Because if you put him against Gender and you want Gender to keep the title, then you have to have Nakamura lose to someone that people, I would say, half the rest of the community doesn't really see as someone that should have the title to begin with. So you're already going to have some negative condensations there. So I don't know. That's kind of how I feel. But, you know, like, it's just it's a weird scenario because I think Nakamura came to WWE so he could work a different style and kind of lay back a little bit. That's kind of how I've taken his matches thus far. Definitely. I mean, 
good answers all around. I just hope that they end up using him for something. I hope he's not there just to be a strong opponent for everyone else or some shit. I'd like to see him with the title, and I definitely want to see him and AJ at Mania. I think that's kind of an obvious. They can put on one hell of a fucking match. All right, so we got um, one more main question. Uh, And this one I kind of just thought of, and I think it's an obvious answer, but I'll still ask it. Um, All right, so based with these two NXT stars, who has a higher ceiling with their future with WWE between Aleister Black and Asuka? Um, I obviously think that Asuka is a choice because she's going to tear it up in the women's division, but the way they are... They're packaging Aleister Black, uh, you know, this mystique character, the fact that he's gone from just, like, you know, having one-off matches where he just decimates someone to actually having longer matches, like his one that he had with Cassie Sono a week or two ago. He's still undefeated. Uh, he's a scary concept. You can tell Triple H is taking definite inspiration uh, for this gimmick from The Undertaker, but with a completely different size and moveset with the person. Um, but... She's amazing. She's incredible, and I can't wait to see her go against Charlotte Flair. But uh, these two, how do you feel about them, and who has a better chance of rising to the top more so, do you think? Um, I'll start off with Elsie Phil. All right. Asuka, yeah, she needs to hurry up and get on the main roster. Uh, She's been there too long. Um, It's time for her to go to either Raw or SmackDown. I'm – I could see her going to SmackDown for some reason. Um, but, yeah, she needs to hurry up. And you know, she's she's a whole different, uh, uh, like, from the style of all of the women there. She's like the – she's the female Shinsuke. Bring her yep. into the main roster. Uh, get her to feud with Charlotte. That would be great because she's – She's got a weird, like her mystique. She's very. She seems very psychotic. She seems like she's. She's like one of those that seems like. She's a very. She seems very nice in like a regular conversation, but if she had some kind of intent to you, she'd probably gouge your eyes out and like eat your fucking nose. Um, Alistair Black. I haven't kept up too much with him, but what I have kept up with. I say give him some more time on NXT. Uh, not oh, yeah. too much time, but enough time to where he's got a background of that, where when he goes to either Raw or SmackDown, he does have a story to where I could see him feud with Bray Wyatt or... or Finn Balor? Uh, I could see Finn Balor, but what I meant to say was Bray Wyatt. He could do something with uh, Bray Wyatt as maybe they could, like, start another cult kind of thing going on, or they could uh, feud. Who's would be hella interesting. It would be uh, the feud of who's more evil, who's, uh, who's darker. Like, with Aleister Black, I guess you kind of have the Aleister Crowley kind of thing. Uh-huh. And with with Wyatt, you kind of have that Jim Jones kind of Jake the Snake thing going on. So I could really see that as a cool feud. And then, yeah, and then those two guys, like, teaming up. 
That's a pretty cool concept. I definitely liked all of that. Uh, Thomas, same question. Honestly, I'm going to have to give it to Aleister Black. Simply because I feel like they pushed Asuka too hard. She's had plenty of opportunities to drop the title. And I feel like the people they've had her go against recently, they built them up enough so that they seemed like, you know, legitimate competition. But they run into the problem where, okay, if they do beat her, how long can they hold on to this? You know, how long can that momentum last for? Because they, they've booked Asuka as such an unstoppable force that, you know, honestly, the closest person that I can see taking it from her is Nikki Cross. And even then, I feel like it'd, it'd be on, like, some kind of fluke by interference from Sanity. And I feel like that's what hurts Asuka's chances on the main rosters because after – a year plus of being undefeated and for something like that to be what ends the reign. What do you do on the main roster for her at that point? It's not like she, it's not like you can just have her vacate the title undefeated and go up to the main roster, you know, win the women's title on the first night. And that's that. No, but as far as Alistair Black goes now, he's somebody that, you know, a loss here or there won't hurt him because while you've built him up as, you know, this this impressive creature, he's still human, and he showed that two weeks ago against Cassius Ono, because there were a few times during that match where Ono, you know, Ono really had him on the ropes, and Ono looked like, you know, oh, he's going to be the one to do it. Asuka has yet to have that challenge. And, and that's, that's what I really feel will add to Black's value on the roster is that you can build him up on the main roster, and if he loses one, it won't hurt him too bad. You can't do that with Asuka after, after the year and change they built her. I agree, and I, I think that, you know, if, if things are looking the way they are, I'm assuming that we could probably see Roderick Strong beat Bobby Roode, Bobby Roode finally come up to the main roster, and maybe he will... I'm assuming he's going to be feuding with uh, Cassius Ono has to be in the background, has to be either Alistair Black or uh, Drew McIntyre. I'm hoping Alistair over that. Chris, uh, who do you think has a better future set um, once they go to the main from NXT, Alistair Black or Asuka? I feel like that they'll somehow fuck Alistair Black up, so I'm going to go Asuka. Um, and as far as, like, other women that are going to challenge her, I would say it's probably, you know, Ember Moon will probably come up around the same time. And then you have uh, Kerry Hojo or Kerria Hojo, which was low, low Shira. I want to say with her name in Japan, they just signed her. And I think that that's going to be NXT's new, probably top female. She's fucking incredible in the ring. You check out her stuff. But I feel like Asuka will have a, you know, she'll have runs against Sasha and Charlotte and Naomi, and then you'll have Ember Moon up on the main roster in theory. You'll have a credible threat, someone that has beat um, both Bailey and beat Nia Jax. Um, and I think you can run that undefeated streak for as long as you want to until you have, like, either if they think they're going to go with Ember Moon or if they want to go with Charlotte Flair to be the one that Charlotte. they put over on her. Um, I think those are both viable routes. But with, with Alistair Black, I think that a lot of his mystique and the character that he's portraying on NXT will somehow get fucked up just because they don't know how to build that type of character anymore. 
it seems like every time they have a little something like that, that they totally strip it down when it comes to the main roster, and it's just not the same level. I hope that's not the case. I hope I'm completely wrong, and they knock it out of the park, but that's just kind of how I feel about it at the moment. No, it makes sense to have that, you know, because of, like you're saying, that that definitely can, can happen. I hope it doesn't happen because I think it would be a huge waste that dude's entrance, man. I, I listen to it at work. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. I'm not fucking with you. Definitely, it's bad. I don't know what the hell he's saying. Anyways, all right. The last question, and then we'll we'll go over some um, the matches from the G1 before we uh, sign off because we've been talking a lot. But this is more of a joke question. Better impersonator of a wrestler: Jay Lethal as Macho Man Randy Savage or Dolph Ziggler as Shawn Michaels? <laughs> Uh, Phil, who do you think is a better impersonator? Jay Lethal as Macho Man when he was the Black Machismo. All right, uh, um, Chris. That's all I got. Uh, I, I got to go with Jay Lethal just because he took the entire fucking moveset gimmick, everything about it. Like, Ziggler still, there's still shades of Ziggler in his moves. Like, it's not. But, like, Black Machismo, I mean, he did, like, every spot. Like, he did the hangman hair pull. He did, like, snake eyes. He would hit the flying elbow he drop. Like like it was ring. literally yeah. It was literally move for move. So, from that standpoint, Ooh, I would have you. to go. Yeah. Um, uh, Thomas, how about you? Going to have to give it to Lethal. Like, I've... Lethal is so good at what he does. Like, whether he's impersonating Ric Flair or the whole black machismo gimmick, he, he just made it work, and he made it his own. Like, it like it, it became an extension of him and not so much a parody. However, you know, Ziggler is just Ziggler. <laughs> Ziggler dressed Shawn Michaels, if you will. <laughs> yeah, when I came up with this, it was more of like a joke question than anything, but... Um... I just think, like, Dolph Ziggler's really good at impersonating Shawn Michaels. Um, even HBK's impressed with it. But, my God, Jay Lethal's impression as the Black Machizo, uh, just some amazing stuff. Him and, him and, um, and, and Chris actually showed me this, uh, him and Xavier Woods as uh, Apollo, what the fuck was it? Creed. He's basically doing the Apollo Creed gimmick. Um, Lethal Consequences Creed. Creed? Lethal Consequences, yeah. When he was Consequences yeah. Creed. Consequences Creed. All right, well, uh, that's it from the questions. Guys, just good conversation. Enjoyed it. All right, let's um, let's uh, talk about some G1 stuff. I guess let's do the uh, the main two. We'll just have a discussion about it. Um, Okada versus Cody Rhodes. I'll go over, like, a little bit that happened. Kenny Omega came to ringside during the match and tried to convince Brandy Rhodes to throw in the towel for Cody. Cody threw the, the towel right in um, Omega's face. Um, and then spit at the Bullet Club. Okada hit a spinning tombstone and the Rainmaker and got the win, and there was a great part where Cody was um, trying to do the one-wing angel to Okada right in front of Omega. So um, how did you feel about this match, Chris? I thought it was incredible. I, I thought it was a great match. It's just, once again, Okada's amazing. I don't think it's it's not it's not one of his better matches of this year. Because, I mean, I would give that to Omega and Shibata and then probably Tiger Mask W. But mm-hmm. 
I thought it was a real. I thought it was a really well worked match all around. I thought it, I thought it was really good. Now, when you say these are the two matches we're talking about, uh, to me, the entire weekend revolved around Kenny Omega because the match with Michael Elgin was fucking amazing, and the match he had with Ishii was fucking amazing. So I need to go ahead and get that out. <laughs> yeah, um, dude, a lot happened. Sucks that we don't have enough time to. But yeah, we'll definitely talk about some Kenny Omega, but. Uh, Thomas, how did you like this match between Okada and Rhodes? I thought it was Cody's best match that he's had in Japan and probably one of the best matches he's had on the Indies so far. Um, Okada just, he brings it every time. Like, the last two years have really shown what a star he is, and he's he's a great asset for New Japan. Um, I feel, I really dig the dissension in the Bullet Club, because it's just like every time that they, you know, they ended up bringing somebody new in is, oh, well, I'm the real leader. They just did it with Adam Cole before they kicked him out with the dissension between him and Omega. And now they're doing it with Cody. And it feels like I, I don't want to say that they're doing it too much with the Bullet Club. But if this is their way of, you know, breaking the elite away from the Bullet Club, then by all means, hey, you know, it helped tell the story of the match even better. See, I definitely agree with that, too. Um, uh, Philip, same question. Okay. Um, I watched more of, uh, like, a recap for it, uh, but I did see the the promo that Cody did after, I guess it was after the match, where him and Kenny Omega had their, uh, their uh, choice words and Cody got mad. I like the whole uh, it's ego versus ego uh, with uh, the Bullet Club. Um, I guess they're looking at who's like the real leader or the better wrestler there. And I think they're, I think that's a good thing for the Bullet Club to do is, I guess, a dissension thing. Um, like, I don't keep up with too much New Japan, but I did look at some G1 stuff, and uh, I do like what's going on with Kenny Omega and Cody Rhodes. I hope that can go into something uh, brilliant. Maybe like a a feud on who's the, I guess, the leader of the Bullet Club kind of thing. Yeah, definitely. As long as they don't do like a wolf pack thing where like the the elite becomes like the good bullet club, you know, and they get like a couple other people to join them. I don't want anything like that. But the yeah, bullet I pack. See some... The bullet. Pa- oh my god, I hate it. Here's um, the bullet that. box. Oh god. Uh, yeah, you know, who knows what's gonna happen. Uh, I just hope that ends up with uh, Omega somehow you know, having another title match with Okada, whether or not he's a part of the Bullet Club or not, or Cody gets thrown out, or maybe they can figure out many ways to do this. I'm looking forward to Wrestle Kingdom, but that's a ways away. Let's talk a little bit about Kenny Omega and his journey throughout this whole entire thing. We'll go over his last match, which sucks because it airs Friday, but it it, it happened, so everyone knows what happened. Uh, Kenny Omega uh, won the G1, and he's now the IWGP United States Champion. Um he defeated uh, Ishii, who I couldn't believe uh, beat NATO. If you guys want to wrap up on the tournament itself and Kenny Omega now being the champion, the U.S. champion, what does that mean to you, uh, Chris? 
How do you feel? Omega Omega hands down had the best two matches of G1, and I'm I I would even say maybe even three matches if you include his battle with Jay Lethal. So props to him and congratulations on being the first IWGP US champion. Um, the one match I would suggest watching out of them is the match. They did had a crazy dragon suplex table spot, which was absolutely insane. Um, that guy just continues to impress me. I thought Okada he did good um, for what that match was, but they don't have the same chemistry that like Okada had with Shibata or Okada had with Kenny Omega. And that's not taking anything away from Tony. And I agree that that was his best match, but like Elgin uh, versus Kenny Omega, Lethal versus Kenny Omega, and then of course uh, Omega versus Ishii was by in by far like my favorite matches of the entire thing. So, props props to Omega for continuously entertaining me. Yeah, I, I agree, uh, Thomas. How did you like the uh, the tournament itself, and then the winner? Oh. Well, I definitely agree about Omega's matches being the best matches of, of uh, that entire weekend. Like I said, my brackets immediately got busted when uh, NATO lost. When, well, yeah, when NATO lost, because I had originally I had NATO and Omega, uh, NATO and Lethal in the finals, and I had NATO over Omega. But I mean, I'm not I'm not upset at it. I'm not upset at it. I just thought that they would try to capitalize more on the Ring of Honor partnership since that's where, you know, the belt was introduced and they would have Lethal go over since Lethal is a Ring of Honor, you know, regular and he could defend the belt more, you know, when he does come to Japan or when, you know, the the U.S. territory finally opens, you know, they would do more with that. But, I mean, giving it to, to a New Japan regular, I guess, builds the prestige of the belt. But the problem is, is Omega rarely wrestles in the United States where the belt is supposed to represent. And I think that's that's my only problem with it. But, you know, great matches. So congratulations to Kenny Omega. Yeah, another another amazing set of matches. And now he's got a new title along with it. I wonder if him and Kevin Owens have laughed about that whole thing. I think they have. Uh, Phil, how did you like that Kenny Omega is now the U.S. champion for New Japan? Well, I think choosing a Canadian uh, to be the U.S. champion for them is uh, actually smart. You didn't choose an American guy, so that also brings in some heat. Um, Also, Kenny Omega deserves it. uh, But like I said, well, like what was said, uh, it would have been great if Jay Lethal won that and defended it in the United States. But... um, I don't know. I like I said, I don't keep up too much with uh, with New Japan, but that decision might work. Actually, it it might be gold to have a non-U.S. citizen being the U.S. champion for a while. Kind of draws heat with the whole Canadian versus American kind of thing. It's there. Oh yeah, I mean Bret Hart. He's the one yeah. that bastard him and the Hart Foundation caused it. All right, so yeah. I'm gonna pass you guys the last question. Um, just answer it, and also, you know, uh, say goodbye. I appreciate both Philip and um, and Thomas for coming on, and Chris as always, obviously, brother. 
Um, and I want you guys to come on again. Uh, definitely call in whenever the fuck you want. If you're listening on Wednesdays between 8 and 10, we can chit-chat on some shit. But, uh, Thomas, uh, the final question, and <laughs> sign off. Um, you got Brock Lesnar or Samoa Joe winning at Great Balls of Fire. What a horrible pay-per-view name. Uh, <laughs> awful. Um, I truthfully think it's Joe's time with how they built him. Because I feel... I feel like his interactions with Heyman alone have built the feud enough, but I also feel like they're going to do that thing where, you know, oh, well, hey, Joe's choked out Lesnar before. Let's, uh, let's make Brock really mad. Let's make him this unstoppable monster. I feel like that's, that's going to be where they're going with. My heart says, uh, my, my mind says Joe, but my heart says Lesnar. I think the same thing for me. Uh, thanks for coming out again, buddy. Uh, when's when's the next um, wrestling event you got? Uh, I actually have uh, three shows this weekend. I have Sanctuary in Hazleton, Pennsylvania. I have Northwest Ohio Wrestling in Toledo, Ohio. And then I have Nova Promotions in West Warwick, Rhode Island on Sunday. Keep definitely check him out. He's a beast. <laughs> definitely come and hang out with Mr. Thomas Brewington. Definitely want you back on the show soon, sir. All right, Phil, uh, you know, my cohort – Taking your break, and we're going to come back and kick some ass as a heel uh, oh, yeah. team. You got between uh, Brock Lesnar and Samoa Joe. All right. I don't think that Samoa Joe will win at Great Balls of Fire. I think that's going to, that's probably going to be extended to a bigger pay-per-view. I don't see him winning SummerSlam. at Great Balls. It's SummerSlam. I see him winning at SummerSlam. Um, but I, I, I think they're going to let it kind of, you know, build. Because why not? Like, you have two guys who are imposing forces. They're both tough, you know, so they're both tough SOBs, so why would you kill it there when you could go to SummerSlam or even Survivor Series? So I don't see Joe winning at Great Balls, but I do see him winning at a bigger pay-per-view it, it would mean more. I think you're right about that. I can definitely see SummerSlam being an extension to that for the rivalry. Like maybe something happens in the match. It's not fair. I don't know. Uh, yeah. Thanks for also, like I said, for, for coming on, Phil, definitely want you back soon. And then uh, Chris, uh, we had a great show, man. Um, we're about a minute 30. Uh, say goodbye to the world and, uh, you know, sign off with us. All right. Uh, I got Lesnar going over. Uh, even though I think it's a stupid decision, I think Samoa Joe would be the obvious choice, get that belt back on TV, but I don't think they're going to do it. So got Lesnar going over. Thanks you guys for coming on. Phil Thomas is a pleasure as always. Enjoyed talking to you guys Thank you. and everybody have an awesome week. All right. Thanks. All right. Well, you know, it's time to like, listen to that happened before the bullet club. You guys have a great night. All right, you too, man. Hey, Bubs, this is Cal Dodd. You're now listening to Geek Vibes Live.
guys have a good one out there. Congratulations. Okay,